0: Welcome to my series of short podcasts about the stories of the Tudors. My name's Tony Riches and I'm historical fiction author from Pembrokeshire in Wales and I'm a specialist in the history of the early Tudors. In this podcast I'll be looking at the life of Mary Tudor who became Queen of France. I chose to write about Mary because I'd researched her birth and early life for book three of my Tudor trilogy which was about Mary's father, King Henry the Seventh. In the trilogy, I'd moved forward one generation with each book, so it appealed to me to write a sequel which did the same. I'd been intrigued with Mary's story of how she risked everything to defy her brother when he became King Henry the Eighth, And when I began the Tudor trilogy, I had little factual information about Owen Tudor, Mary's great-grandfather, and the amount of information available to me increased exponentially by the time I reached the story of Mary's father, Henry Tudor, as he kept detailed ledgers of his finances, and some of Henry's letters also survive, including some to his mother. They were all rather formal. This time, I had the advantage of a fascinating book uh, called The French Queen's Letters, Uh, Mary Tudor Brandon and the Politics of Marriage in 16th Century Europe by Erin Sadlack, which includes all Mary's surviving letters, many with the replies, as well as an insightful analysis of her state of mind at the time. I prefer primary research, and I found her letters offer an evocative voice for Mary, as well as revealing how she felt about people and events. I wanted to explore Mary's vulnerability as well as her strengths, and I was assisted in this by her brother who broke off her engagement to young Prince Charles, who was the future Emperor of Rome, to marry her off to the 52-year-old King Louis of France. Although Mary was barely 18 at the time, Henry saw his younger sister as a small price to pay for a treaty with France, and. I enjoyed untangling the many myths about what happened next from Mary causing the untimely death of King Louis with her passionate exertions to her dying of grief at her brother's divorce from her friend Catherine of Aragon. I also had the benefit of knowing a great deal about the people and places of Mary's world. I spent time researching Mary Tudor's relationship with Queen Catherine of Aragon and in particular her grandmother Lady Margaret Beaufort. Um, Mary's mother Elizabeth of York died quite young on the 11th of February 1503 with a little over a month before Mary's seventh birthday and although Catherine of Aragon was only 11 years older than Mary from their letters I believe that Catherine helped fill the role of her mother and became a close friend and confidant to Mary. It is possible that Catherine also named her surviving daughter after Mary and Mary was one of the very few people who dared to speak out in public about Henry's treatment of Catherine and to even criticise Anne Boleyn. There was also a intriguing connection between mary tudor and cardinal thomas wolsey who helped protect her when she disobeyed the king and married charles brandon and he gave them both generous loans which kind of offset the fines that they'd been given it's not possible to be certain but i have a theory that mary and brandon believed wolsey was poisoned or somehow murdered on the king's orders in November 1530, he was on his way to a probable execution, and it was simply too convenient to Henry for Wolsey to die suddenly of uh, what be explained as natural causes. As part of my research, I also visited the site of Mary and Brandon's manor house at Westthorpe in Suffolk. That was fascinating, because although they house is now demolished, the water-filled moat still exists, complete with the original Tudor bridge with Charles Brandon's lion motif, and I was also lucky to be shown the terracotta fragments of Mary and Brandon's house, which were recovered from the moat during an archaeological study of the site. It gave me a real sense of the time and the place and the geography of the area, which I was able to reflect in my writing. Mary Tudor died at Westhorpe Manor after a long illness a little before eight in the morning on the 25th of June 1533 and she was only 37 years old and was laid to rest in the Abbey Church of Bury St Edmunds and her um, Alabaster Monument was destroyed in the dissolution of the monasteries but in 1784, her lead coffin was moved to the chancel of St Mary's Church in Bury St Edmunds and placed under a plain slab of Petworth marble inscribed Mary, Queen of France, 1533. Although she was only Queen of France for some 90 days, she never used her husband's surname or her title of Duchess of Suffolk. She always preferred to be referred to as the Queen of France, so I believe she would have been happy with the simple inscription. I visited St Mary's Church on a bright summer morning and I was really impressed by the scale of the place. It is one of the largest parish churches in England and the largest west window of any church in the country, so it is reminiscent of a small cathedral really, more than just a church. And in the Lady Chapel there are huge stained glass windows which were provided by Queen Victoria which show the events from Mary Tudor's life. In the lower centre window, Mary is shown being forgiven by her brother Henry VIII for marrying his best friend Charles Brandon without his permission which I thought was quite amusing. And as part of my research I also visited Moy's Museum in Bury St Edmunds and saw the lock of Mary Tudor's hair, which is on display there. It's in a little locket, and um, I looked into the details of it and found out that when Mary's coffin was moved, uh, it was opened and it was reported that her hair was some two feet long and a reddish gold colour, and that her teeth were even and complete. Um, I don't really understand why they felt the need to open it but perhaps they wanted to satisfy themselves that they'd got the right coffin. Um, anyway, I read in the a book by John Ashdown-Hill, who died recently that it was the mythology of the princes in the tower. It's actually a new book and it explains how attempts were made to study this particular lock of Mary Tudor's hair in the quest to solve the mystery of what became of the princes in the tower. Dr Ashdownhill's Hill's research uh, you might remember helped to identify the skeleton of Richard III and he then turned his attention to the famous urn in Westminster Abbey which purports to contain the remains of the princes in the tower. Um, Ashton Hill explains that as well as DNA from cells it's also possible to extract mitochondrial DNA which is called mtDNA um, from things such as a, a strand of hair and mtDNA is inherited down the maternal line unchanged so it's passed from mothers to sons and daughters but sons cannot pass it along their own line to their children because it's transmitted through the female egg what this means is that Mary Tudor uh, and her brother and her sister Margaret Tudor all shared MTDNA with the princes through their mother, Elizabeth of York, and their grandmother, Elizabeth Woodville, of course. So John Ashton Hill was able to borrow the specimen of Mary's hair from Moyes Hall, but they found that the locket was sealed with solder and they couldn't remove the solder without risking damage. But what he did manage to do was to examine another locket which is now kept at Nowsley Hall near Liverpool and two hairs were removed in sterile conditions and taken to a specialist in Belgium um, who was able to analyse them. Sadly the results were inconclusive as it seems that the hair was contaminated at the time it was removed. Although research in overcoming the problem of contaminated MTDNA by cleaning the samples is ongoing. So one day Mary Tudor might help solve one of our great historical mysteries. I wonder what she would have said if she'd have known that two strands of her hair were receiving so much attention in the 21st century. I'd now like to share with you a sample of the audiobook edition of Mary, Tudor Princess, narrated by Ruth Redman.
1: She was the daughter of a king, a Tudor princess, yet she sensed her life was about to change forever. Early sunlight streamed through the stained glass windows of Westminster Abbey as Mary counted 28 bishops leading the coronation procession. A hint of wood smoke still drifted in the London air from the bonfires of Midsummer's Eve, and cheering crowds lined every street. She hoped the banquets and jousting would lift the sadness deep in her heart. A new era was beginning. Henry and Catherine make quite a couple, Mary. Your father, may the Lord rest his soul, would have been proud to see this day. She turned her head to acknowledge her grandmother. Lady Margaret Beaufort, still wearing morning dress, clutched a small, leather bound prayer book. Although she'd barely recovered from illness, her eyes burned with pride. Mary glanced towards the Lady Chapel at the far end of the Abbey, her father's private chantry, now his permanent resting place. It seemed unreal to think her beloved parents now lay there together in a cold, stone crypt beneath their grand, unfinished tomb. This was his wish. Although, she spoke in a hushed tone, as if thinking aloud, painful memories of her father's last days choking her words. My brother is poorly prepared to be our new king. He is young, yet he is a Tudor, her grandmother nodded in understanding. We must pray for your brother, she lowered her voice almost to a whisper, as I fear some adversity will follow. Mary frowned at her grandmother's grim prediction. She recalled the avaricious glint in Henry's eye as he took Catherine's hand two weeks before at the Church of the Observant Friars in Greenwich. He might be almost 18, over six feet tall and engagingly handsome, but he still had the covetous ways of the small boys she remembered.
0: Mary Tudor Princess is available from Amazon and in ebook and paperback as well as audiobook and links to all of my books can be found on my website, tonyriches.com. I've now completed the companion book to Mary Tudor Princess, which tells the story of Mary Tudor's husband, Charles Brandon, who was King Henry VIII's lifelong friend, and Brandon Tudor Knight will be published later this year. The next podcast in this series will be the story of Mary's elder sister, Margaret Tudor, who became Queen of Scotland. Thank you for listening.